Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Anyways, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 19, and I want to continue on our series uh, uh, on encounters. And we've been talking about encounters uh, with God. And some of the things that we learn, and, and so we've been looking at some of the direct encounters that people have had with the Lord, and we're actually going to start in Philippians uh, of, of something that Paul was teaching, um, you know, the church in, in Philippi, or the Philippians, about the nature of God or the, the goodness of God, and specifically about provision, and we're going we're gonna to get to that uh, today. So let's read this passage together, verse 10, and, uh, and then we will uh, pray that God will give us ears to hear uh, what he is uh, saying. Verse 10 says this, Paul, in his letter to uh, the Philippians, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you've had no opportunity to show it. So I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. I want you to highlight that. I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances, because I know what it's like to be in need, and I also know what it's like to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, regardless of which one I find myself in, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned this, that I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I want to, you want to highlight that too. And yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. That word troubles means pressure. You know, uh, it's the burdens that just come on your heart and your spirit. And so, you know, there were moments where Paul, obviously in his journey as a, as a missionary and establishing churches, he found himself facing a lot of opposition, found himself struggling to do certain things. And so in those moments where he felt trouble, he said, listen, you Philippians, you know that in the early days you're, of your acquaintance with the gospel, I love this. The early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, meaning you were new believers. And even in your infancy of your faith, he said, what I loved about this is that even though you don't know, you didn't know a whole lot, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church, this is kind of awkward because Paul kind of calls out all the other churches that didn't help him at this time that should have known better. He said, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. You guys were new believers, infants in your faith, and yet you stood, you stood up and said, hey, we can help. Here's what we can do. We can supply in the situation. And he said, so even when I was in you know, Thessalonica, you, you again sent me aid again and again when I was in need. And he re- again, he reiterates, he's like, I'm not looking for a gift, but I'm actually looking for a way that it can be credited to your account. How can I pay it forward? To you, or how can somebody else do the exact same thing that you did for me? For I've received my full payment, and even more so, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Ephroditus the gifts that you sent. And they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And I want you to highlight this. And my God will supply all your needs according to his. Glorious riches in Christ Jesus, to God our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray today that as we get into your word, again, just as I prayed earlier, Holy Spirit, may I speak the words of the Lord, not my own, 
Not my thoughts, but God's thoughts. The things that you have, uh, you know, on your list of things to speak or your agenda this morning. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear that. Help us to understand it. Help us to grasp that today so that when we walk out of here, we've learned something. We've grown in you. We've been challenged by something. God, may we go deeper. And so give us ears to hear and give us courage to walk it out in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have you ever had a moment, and I'm sure you have in the last eight months, because every time you go to the grocery store, you have this idea that I'm going to get something. But you know that in this season, there's no guarantee anymore that what you're going to get is going to be there. So you're hoping that when you go to Walmart or No Frills or wherever you're going, that whatever you're in need of, whatever you're looking for is going to be there. But time and time again, I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I've gotten there, I'm like, man, this is gone, that's gone. It happened to us last Sunday. You know, and, and, and we went to Costco uh, after church that afternoon, and, and uh, we just popped in for a second to grab a couple things, and Cora said, hey, she's like, since we're here, we might as well just grab, you know, some toilet paper. And listen, I, can I just tell you, you think we've learned from the first wave, and now we're in this situation, and we're still hoarding toilet paper. If you're hoarding toilet paper, seriously, stop it. Like, you know, so, because we're looking at each other, and I'm like, Cora, like, and they have moved some stuff around, and, and like, the whole area where the toilet paper, every last one is gone. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe they moved it around. Maybe they're just playing, like, toilet paper tag with their customers, you know, because they had moved some stuff around, and so Cora goes over to ask one of the employees, and the two guys that were standing there, they just kind of grinned, and they said, yeah, yeah, we sold that at 10 o'clock, and it's like 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We sold that at 10 o'clock, and we're looking at each other going, really? Have we not learned our lesson? Like, really? Like, and I don't even want to go into the reasons why, but I'm just saying, like, you know, toilet paper shortage and all this kind of stuff, this is ridiculous, and so but, you know, it's so funny how you go to the store right now, and, you know, before COVID, it's like, yeah, I'll just get whatever. I'm sure they'll have it in the rare time. Maybe they didn't have it. But, you know, like now you go, and you just don't know. There's no guarantee. How many are glad that that's not the case with God? How many are glad that in your walk with God, that there is never a shortage of what you need, that his supply is always there? And that was the message, this reminder that Paul was giving to the church in, in Philippi, to the Philippians. He's like, listen, guys, I'm telling you that I know what it's like to be content. You guys know firsthand the troubles, the, the difficulty, the chaos that I've encountered, and I've learned to be content whether I have it or not. Basically what he was saying was, is that, is, I want to say thank you first of all for being such a blessing in my life. That when I was in the deepest uh, struggle and the pressure and the troubles, you responded by providing. And it's actions like that and, and the journey of faith that Paul was on as a missionary, that he found that all the time. His experience and his encounter with God was, no matter where I was, whether I had something or I didn't, I was content. I was content and, and confident that, that if I didn't have it, God would supply, or that what I have may not appear like it's enough, but God can use that. But either way, no matter what I'm facing, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he's my provider. And God used you in that season. You were an avenue. God called on you. God stirred your heart in the infancy of your faith to give to me in my time of need. And now he's turning around and he's like, listen, what can I do to encourage you? And, and the reason why he's doing this is many believe that these guys gave so much to Paul in the early days 
that they now have this major deficit in their own bank account. And now they're worried, and now they're concerned, and now they're like, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do in this moment? I don't, how are we going to, like, I'm sure there were some people that were going, man, we shouldn't have gave Paul so much, man. Like, we should have held back. You know, I was joking at the 9 o'clock service, you know, like, you know, good practical wealth management. You know, you, you know, for us as followers, we're tithing 10% and we're putting aside, you know, 10% for some kind of future, whether it's your, you know, retirement and, you, you know, you try to put away money for that three months in case you lose your job. So you got, and of course, most of us don't even do that. And, you know, that's just the reality. And, and, and so here's the, you know, the, the Philippians and they're starting to freak out because they're like, man, we gave so much to Paul, but now we've got nothing. We're poor and, and we're We're in need, and Paul's turning around saying, listen to me, in the same way that God used you to supply my need, you can be content like I've been content. You can learn that God's going to honor you, and that God is going to provide, that God is going to supply, and if you don't have it, he'll bring it to you just like God brought you to me. And then he prays that powerful prayer. That whatever you're experiencing in life, the provision of God is going to be there. So he prays it over them. I declare it. I remind you, my God shall supply all your needs. And this is the King James, according to your, his riches and glory. Not your bank account, his. I've got you. God got you. And I love this, you know, because, again, like I said, they're, they're sitting there and, and they're worried. And Paul's now encouraging them because I've been through this journey enough times and I know that God's going to supply. And, and, and without saying it, what Paul was saying in this moment to everybody, he's like, hey, listen, he's living up to his name. God's living up to his name, a name that God was given by Abraham in Genesis 22, which was Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And what's really powerful about that name is that is that Abraham discovered the truth of that throughout many encounters, but specifically an encounter in Genesis 22, an experience with God, that after it was done, he realized for, for sure, with absolute certainty and assurance, this is my God, he is Jehovah Jireh, he is my provider. What it means, just so you know, some background before we get into Genesis 22, is literally it means the one who sees and provides. The one who sees and provides. When you break it down, it actually means Jehovah will see to it. And it was a, was a name that Abraham gave God in description and basically what he was saying. And throughout history, this is what we've come to know about the, the name Jehovah Jireh. It is meant to communicate God's knowledge, his desire, his ability to deliver us and provide for us in life. Especially in the notes, those moments and times of life where we absolutely need it. We're in chaos. And I, and I love this. And again, just to, to remind you of the story, Genesis 22, it's pretty familiar for most of us. If it's not, it's okay. Let me, let me just run through it quickly. I won't read all of the verses today. But Genesis 22, you have to remember that Abraham was given this prophetic word by the Lord saying, hey, listen, you are going to be the father of many nations. And that through you, your line, your lineage, you will be a blessing to all of the world, and obviously that is pointed to Jesus, he's the seed, and, and he is the promise, and, and of course, that is the greatest gift to all of humanity, you know, the salvation of our, our lives, our souls, the forgiveness of sins, the restoration, all of that come through, coming through Christ. 
but it had to come through his seed. And for a lot of years, you know, he had uh, no children. And then he had, uh, you know, a child with his second wife, you know, Hagar. And, and, and so that didn't, you know, according to the prophecy, that didn't count. And so Ishmael didn't count. And so there was a time even in Genesis 17 where Abraham's talking to the Lord. And he's like, God, I don't understand. You want to bless me? You want, my, you want me to be a father of many nations? And we're going to bless the whole world. And my, my, my lineage is going to be as, as incredibly, like as, as far as numbers, like sand, you know, grains of sand on a, on a seashore. And yet you haven't given Giving me an heir. And right now, if I were to die, some relative, some distant relative would get everything that I have. I don't get it. And God's like, listen, it's coming. And then finally he has Isaac after years and years and years of waiting for the promise. And then in Genesis chapter 22, God comes to Abraham and it's a test. And he says, Abraham, but Abraham didn't know that at the time. He says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac, the fulfillment of the promise. The seed to the bigger corporate promise for all of humanity. I want you now to take Isaac and I want you to go up on this mountain. I'll show you which mountain it is when you get there. And I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to give him back to me. And the scripture says, you know, Abraham just grabbed his stuff, got his donkey or whatever else. And, you know, his camel or whatever he was riding at that time. And, you know, and, and you know, got some, some guys to go with him on this long journey. And he had everything and, and Isaac, poor little Isaac, didn't had no sweet clue that he was the sacrifice, but dad did. And he finally gets to a certain point in the, in the journey, and then all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to him and says, I want you to go to you know, Mount Moriah. And so he goes with just him and Isaac. It was just the two of them alone. And of course, in verse 8, you'll see it in Genesis chapter 22, Isaac's starting to get a little curious now because he's like, wait a minute. Um, so we're going on the mountaintop, Dad, and uh, we're supposed to sacrifice to God. And I'm looking around, and we got everything except for the actual sacrifice. And I would imagine that what's going on in Abraham's mind in this moment is like, yeah, I'm still not ready to tell you right now. So, you know, like, and so they make their way, and then finally, obviously, he realizes that, that he is, as his dad is putting him on the altar and strapping him in. You know, like, I know now that I'm the sacrifice. And then instantly, the Lord stops him. He's like, Abraham, stop. Because Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son. The promise. Can you imagine that? You're waiting that long for the promise. And then all of a sudden, God says, give it back to me. I've waited this long and I finally got it, God. Now you're asking it, like you're asking me to give it back to you? What? And yet with absolute obedience and faith and trust in God, Abraham's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for my God. If that's what you asked, I've learned to trust you this far, God, then, then there's something else. You must have a plan, and that's what he says to his son. And I wonder if in this moment Abraham starts to clue in that this is really a test by God. And so, you know, he said to his son after his son asked in verse 8, he's like, hey, listen, God will provide the sacrifice. And then in verse 13 and 14, all of a sudden when God speaks to him, Abraham sees in the thicket, this ram and realizes that that is the sacrifice and he takes his son off and he puts the, the ram on the altar and sacrifices before the Lord. In verse 14, look at this. And so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. If you look at like say the New Living Translation for example, it says the Lord is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. 
And on this day, he said, on this mountain, the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Do you know, I, I'm amazed when I look at this, the amount of obedience, the passion, the hunger, the desire, uh, the courage that, that Abraham showed in this moment that he trusted God, even in that moment of, I've waited for this, I finally get it, now you're asking for it back, and, and I'm going to, can I say something in this season, if there was ever a time, you know, I said this in the earlier service, and I'll say it again, you know, they often say, you've heard it said a lot of times, that crisis reveals character. And in this season of the church, you know, I, I, I see God revealing our character. I see this situation with COVID actually revealing to each of us the level, the depth of where our relationship with God is. Where's the level of our faith? What's the depth? Where's the, you know, how strong is it? How confident am I? You know, where do I really stand with the Lord? And I'm not asking you to ask your, I'm not asking you to say that out loud, but, but every one of us, I can't determine it, but you can determine for yourself because you see your life, you see your thoughts, you see how in this scenario, in this situation, whether you are super anxious or, you know, maybe you're super like conspiracy theorist or whatever it is, or maybe you're in the middle of the road, but somewhere along the line, there is this, there's this revealing of how much do I trust God? And, and again, with Abraham, it's like, do I trust this moment? And again, fast forward to Paul and the Philippians and Paul in his life and his journey and through the encounter and the experiences that he had with God, he learned to be content. And my question is that even in the midst of this chaotic season, am I content? Do I trust God enough, even though I may feel like I don't have the supply? Or maybe right now I'm concerned about, you know, the economy. I mean, listen, I don't know about anybody else, but yes, I have the same concerns about, as everyone else, it's like, you know, we really can't afford another lockdown, and it's hard on the economy, it's jobs, and people are already, you know, either lost their jobs, or they're, you know, looking for jobs, or, you know, uh, the layoffs, and companies folding, and all these different things. And then you're wondering, man, like, how am I going to pay this bill? And what about that? And you're, and you're concerned, and that's natural. We all have moments where we worry. But can I say this to you? And this is where, you know, it takes faith to believe this, and it takes an encounter with God so deeply and experiences God in order to really understand this. But as a follower of Jesus, I need to get to a place where I understand and I'm content that I know that whether I have it or I don't, God is still going to be my supply. I remember years ago, when we first started out in ministry, and I've probably shared the story a few times here since we've been here, I remember, you know, in our first transition into a church, like, I started at my home church, and when we transitioned into a church other than our home church, I remember, you know, going through the interview process, and, you know, this is our pay scale, and all this kind of stuff, and it was, you know, we were given less what we were told it was going to happen, and you know, we're sitting in the car, and we're, we're worrying, at, worrying about what are we going to do, how are we going to do this. Cora was getting ready to go on maternity leave. Madison was on her way, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I just remember looking at Cora in the car, and I said, okay, but hold, let's just stop for a second. Do we believe that God's called us here? And she's like, well, yeah, like, you know, and then it's going to be Okay. Because at the end of the day, as much as I'm grateful for all of the employers I've ever had, the truth is they are the avenues in which God uses to supply my need, but the provider is always and will always be God himself. We as followers of Jesus, can I say this? I know it's natural for us to worry. I get that. 
But listen to me, as a follower and in a deep relationship with God, you don't need to worry about supply because God's got your back. And whether you have it and you don't realize it, or God will bring it your way, but he is Jehovah Jireh. And generations after, you know, centuries after, you know, uh, Abraham has this encounter and this, and this deep encounter with God. Here's Paul, you know, later teaching the Philippians. He's walking a very similar journey. It's just different in the sense that every community he went to, every journey that he took as a missionary, he needed the support, both prayerfully and financially everywhere he went and he just took steps of faith knowing I'm going to be content because when I get there I'm either going to have what I need or God's going to stretch what I have or he's going to supply and he's going to find an avenue just like he did with the Philippians new in their faith and the Holy Spirit stirred their heart and they gave when nobody else would give. And Paul says, I'm coming back to you because you need to be reminded because you're worried and he understands that, but you don't need to be worried because in the same way that God supplied my need, he's going to supply your need, but listen to the tagline, according to his riches, not yours. According to his resources, not yours. According to his avenues, his ways, not yours. And I want to encourage you today. If there's ever a season for the church to realize the importance and the value of trusting God, even in our giving. I'm not speaking this message to encourage your giving, although I would encourage you to give anyways. You know, because in this moment, in this season, it is so important for us. As this crisis reveals character, it is revealing faith. And do we trust the, the word of God when he says, when you give, you, will, you know, God's going to bless you and he's going to take care of you. How much do you trust the Lord? How much do I trust the Lord? And Paul says he's just living up to his name without saying it. He's Jehovah Jireh. And he'll supply. You know, as Hillary comes, I want to wrap up by just sharing. You know, we were Wednesday night here for campfire coffee and combos. And of course, as the weather now starts to turn, um, you know, we'll try to stretch it out as much as we can, and then we'll find a different avenue to pray, you know, whether it's here at the church with our mask on or online or whatever, but we'll figure it out. Because even in that, like, I, I'll be honest with you guys, I think you've already picked up on my heart. You know, we just roll with the punches, and we just kind of keep going, and we trust God, and yeah, we're aware of what's going on, and we speak to it when we have opportunity to speak to it, but at the end of the day, nothing's ever going to stop the gospel, so stop worrying about that. If you actually think that COVID is going to wipe out Christianity, I, I, I just challenge you. I really do. You might want to rethink that because we're talking about God. We're talking about God. Come on now. That's good. That's good. That's good. Come on, Jack. Bring it, bro. Some of you guys are online. I don't know if you heard it, but we had someone over here. We had, listen, we had, how old is Jack? Two years old? Two and a half years old, and that kid shot me through. Come on now, that says something. And we were here on Wednesday night, a few of us that with, you know, handled the weather, and I tried to get a campfire going, and I did eventually, and I learned some lessons along the way. But as we were praying, one of our prayer partners had a word that was just sitting in their heart, and what actually what we were doing as an exercise is 
part of being prophetic is not just revealing what God is speaking to an individual, but part of prophecy is declaring, declaration, uh, the things that we know God wants to do. And we declare it in our situation, like, you know, with Ezekiel and the dry bones, speak to the bones. Speak the truth of God. They will live. And so we did this exercise on uh, Wednesday night, and we said we're going to just prophesy. We're going we're gonna to declare over our church, over you as individuals, family, over our city, our region, what we believe God's put on our heart. And while we were there, one of our prayer partners said, you know, I really feel like the word steadfast stirring in my heart. And I was, I was kind of in the middle of trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do in this moment, you know, today preaching and what, you know, what encounter was I going to go to. And, and actually that word actually triggered this message actually coming together. And uh, because when I think about steadfast without looking into it, I just think about somebody who, you know, no matter what I face, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endure and I'm going to hold on and I'm going to press through. And if there's ever a season for the church, not just community, churches across the region, across the nation, this is the moment that as chaos and crisis reveals character, we reveal the work, the deep work that God has done. It's the reason why I've been challenging and pushing, you know, both being deep-rooted. We talked, that was the beginning of our year. Think about that. We talked about the beginning of our year. Our theme was being deep-rooted, that, that we would get beyond the surface and we would dig down far enough to the bedrock, who is Jesus, and we would make sure that we're building on the foundation of who Jesus is. And how many times have I heard from people going, Pastor Craig, you're like, you, I'm sure in the moment you felt like, you know, God was stirring your heart, but, but man, just think about that for a moment, PC. Just think about that for a moment. You were probably prophetic and you didn't even realize it in that moment. You didn't know that the storm, who would have ever imagined COVID hitting in this moment? But by faith, I declare and I challenge COVID's authority over our lives in Jesus' name. You're not God. He is, and he has the last word. But being steadfast is about, you know what? I'm not, I'm not getting pushed down. I'm going to press through. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to make the best of that situation. I'm not going to let it rob me of my joy. I'm not going to let it you know, sow seeds of doubt that God's not, not going to supply. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let it keep me from worshiping God, praying, increasing in my faith. Man, I hope that out of this, when we come out of this, that the church that walks out of this is so strong in this nation that it's the force that it should be. It's the army of God, solid in our faith, the next generation rising up. And again, like I've said, as adults, we set the tone for the next generation. And they need to see us dig in. But you know what's really powerful about being steadfast? Because at the same time, like Rick Warren said, listen, never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Right? And how many times in the scripture, not just encounters, but Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in want. I'll never have a lack but God will always supply. 
Matthew chapter 6, Jesus' own teaching. Hey, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't even worry about today. Don't even worry about, you know, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. That's what, listen, listen to this. That's what the Gentiles, that's what the natural man thinks about. He worries about what's coming next. You don't need to worry that in the same way that I take care of the birds of the air, trust me, I've got your back. You're the apple of my eye. You're, the, you're my creation. I've got you. So never doubt in the dark what God has spoken to you through his word in the light, the revelation. But here's what's really cool and powerful. Look at verse 15 to 18. Because something happens when we're steadfast and obedient to the faithfulness of God. Trusting in him. It says, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time. And he says, I swear by myself, because God can only swear by himself because there's no one greater than him. Just imagine the the, the power of that. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and you have not withheld, that word means hold back, restrain, kept for oneself. You did not withhold your son, the promise. I blessed you and you gave it back to me when I asked. Man, I'm going to bless you. Surely I'm going to bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. Come on in Jesus' name. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because what? Because you have obeyed me. You walked out in obedience. You didn't stumble in the darkness. You didn't doubt it. You trusted it when I spoke to you in the light. And now I'm ready to trigger the blessing of God on your life. And there's something powerful and something gets unlocked in the spirit realm when we steward and release what God has given to us. And I believe that the provision of God in our lives is linked to that. And understand that he will always provide. But man, he honors those that are willing to release and trust him and steward what God has blessed us with. In every season, whatever you need, be content. You either have it or God's going to supply it, but it's coming. And hold on, it's there. But don't hold on to it. Don't hold back. And that's what I want to end with today. I was thinking about this. You ever seen the videos of dogs? When they're running through, uh, they're outside and they get a big stick, a massive stick, way bigger than the dog itself. It's usually the biggest stick they can find. And then they start running and then you call them inside and you would think the dog would realize that I can't get through the door with the stick so I'll drop it and then I'll come in. No, no, no. How many dogs have you seen try to run through that door and only have the, you know, the stick hit both sides? You know, that kind of a movement and moment. And we're just looking back and we're going, just release it. Just let it go. God's sitting there going, just let it go. I gave it to you. I'm your supply. Be content. I've got you. I've got you. Just let it go. And steward what I've given you. Walk out in obedience what I've called you to. And watch what I do. And that's what he said to Abraham. Now, now I know I can trigger this because this, this moment is going to get instilled in the spiritual DNA of my people and that's how you're going to be a blessing. Come on now. 
I'm going to have you all stand all over this place. Wow. You don't get to know that. I don't get to know that until we have real deep encounters and experiences with God. So I want you to take a moment. You might be here today. You might be online today, and you're facing a concern financially, provision in some way, whether it be health issues, emotional, whatever it might be. I just want you to take a moment right now. I want you to close your eyes wherever you are. In fact, in this place, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Bow your heads or close your eyes. Just get alone with God. And I just want you, my my prayer right now in this moment is that just for the first few seconds, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just, would just, just come upon you in the most profound and gentle way just to remind you that God has your back. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.